0: Please sit comfortably, everyone. Um, for tonight, um, as a dharma talk, um, I'm actually going to read you a story which I wrote, and I've been writing a number of different stories through the at least the earlier part of um, COVID lockdown when I had more time, and um, a lot of them aren't dharma stories, but um, this this is a kind of a dharma story, and, and Alex has written has read it and. Donna have read it and they encouraged me to share it with everyone, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read it to you. It's about 10 minutes. Um, it's called Old Country Flowing, and Old Country Flowing is the name of a traditional um, shakuhachi piece um, that I used to play years ago, and this, is, this story is written by a very old man. Um, and he's 103. So, in this old country, it is not only the streams and waterfalls that flow. The boulders, rocks and pebbles flow too. Even the great mountain ranges flow. Nothing escapes the transients of time. I'm told there are indigenous songlines in the landscape that describe the journeys of the ancients. And I've also seen the song lines in each blade of grass, in each wildflower, in the bleached bones of each wombat and wallaby, each ant that has succumbed to the merciless passage of time. Every being, no matter how small and insignificant, has its story to be told. Where it was born, the sufferings it endured, its triumph of surviving yet another day, the inconsolable loss of kin, the renewing of generations out of each fertile womb that keeps the evolutionary journey alive under this vast canopy of space we call the sky. Where does it all come from? What is it? Where is it all going? Earth, water, fire, wind, dissolves each human being who asks the question And there are no answers to cling to unless, of course, you wish to cling to the strange markings on paper we call writing, and call it the truth. I am an old man now. I have trod this earth for 103 years. In all this time, I have read many books and have not found one intellectual doctrine concocted by my fellow human beings that I could worship. I'm also a song line and have my story to be told. Yet, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. And I have no name. I can say at least that I was born on the east coast of Australia. The old country I'm referring to is this country. I played in the great Pacific Ocean as a child and formed a deep bond with the sea. I rode its waves and sailed on its salty breeze. I swam with dolphins and longed to submerge myself in the ocean, just like them. But alas, I was, and still am, just a land mammal. But like a dolphin, I don't survive too well away from the ocean for very long. Once I was landlocked for almost a year in a foreign country. And when I returned to see the ocean again, it was like the gut-wrenching longing of meeting an old lover. I decided not to stray too far away from you after that experience, and I have to admit I'm unashamedly attached to you. Of course, you flow as well, just like the mountains, but in a more obvious way that is in the essence of your liquidity. The winds and tides create the undulating swells that surge across your surface rolling to the endless rhythm of time that has no beginning and no end and your underwater currents caress the delicate seaweed beds like invisible hands caressing a harp there must be music playing down there but i've never heard it i must accept that there are limits to my knowing you and that in your depths you will always remain a mystery to me Like all forms of sentient beings, I had a mother and a father. I also had a brother and a sister. We were that mammalian life unit that is called a family. You could say that we survived together for a while. However, they've all died now and I'm the only one left, but I have no children and my story will not become their story. Soon, like all beings, I will return to the great flow that has no beginning and no end. However, I have one request to make, that when I die, my ashes be returned to a river that runs through the mountains and down to the sea so that I can honour both land and sea. I inherited Anglo-Celtic genes which gave me white skin and freckles that wasn't very conducive to to surviving under the harsh Antipodean sun. My parents did the best to raise me, but to my discovery as an adult, they'd inherited all kinds of crazy stories from their parents and other people in their culture that were over and above the basic story of existence. My mother believed that they were true, and my father rebelled against them But that made him unhappy too, because he took them too seriously, rather than realising that they were just stories. One story was that there was a God who made the universe. When I first went to school, they told us he had a big black book, and he wrote down the names of boys and girls who were naughty. And he always knew what you were doing wherever you were, and never ever forgot, and he would punish you for being naughty. That was my first experience of not believing the crazy stories, or at least I thought I didn't. The God part didn't stick, but the good and the bad must have, because I spent the rest of my childhood and most of my adult trying to be good and avoiding being bad, and it made me very unhappy. But over the years I've seen through these crazy stories and I don't take them very seriously anymore, and now I only believe my eyes, my ears, my nose and tongue, my sense of touch and the visceral experience of being in a body, the real story of existence. And I believe that is enough to make me good. I've also come to see it is not me personally that is good, but everything is good in its own honest way when all the crazy stories are stripped away. In my early 20s, I became a psychologist. It became my career for over 50 years. I don't know how many stories of human suffering I've heard. It must be in the tens of thousands. It was a privilege to have the trust of so many people to enter into an empathic journey with them so they could share their innermost sufferings. They believed their own crazy stories to be true as well and it made them all very unhappy. I tried to get them to see they could just believe their eyes and ears and smell and taste and touch and just live in their bodies, and to varying degrees this insight made them happy too. Most of them were caught in believing they were either superior or inferior to their fellow beings, or swung between these two opposites of pernicious status, fearing they would lose their status on the one hand, or believing they would never be worthwhile and envying or worshipping those who thought they were better. The most recalcitrant just believed emphatically that that they were better than everyone else. They suffered the most. They nearly all felt they were alienated from life in some way and clung to an elusive identity and were lost in endless self-searching and self-absorption. They clung to what they thought was good and pleasant and then created aversion to what they thought was bad and unpleasant. They spun around in these cycles of tormented suffering for years and were out of touch with the eternal flow of things. They all longed for intimacy when it was already there in the ordinariness of each moment. They could not see the old country flowing. My wife died 10 years ago. We'd been married for 50 years. We wandered together down paths of light and paths of darkness, as most couples do. We loved and we fought and we loved and we fought and we made up. The making up was the best part. We learnt life's lessons the hard way over and over again, that it it's better to be vulnerable than to blame. But now I am alone again and live out my life in solitude in this old age home overlooking the sea. I have spent most of my adult life practising just sitting still and doing nothing and just experiencing the momentariness of life. And now, deep joy arises in me every day as I watch the sun rise each morning over the ocean and set over the mountains in the evening. I totter when I walk now and my old bones ache. But this is far better than being tormented by the crazy story. A geriatric psychiatrist came to visit me yesterday. He asked me who I was. I said, I don't know. (laughs) He asked me whether I thought my life had any merit in it. I said, no merit. (laughs) He seemed nonplussed and asked me if I needed any medication. I politely declined. I happened to read the chart that was kept at the end of my bed the next day, and a note said, interviewed the patient today, seriously demented (laughs) and profoundly depressed. (laughs) Not long for this world. Well, the not long for this world was true enough. I died a few weeks later. They scattered my ashes in a great river that flows down to the ocean. And now I can live the poem forever that I once wrote as a young man which is called Singing the Seashore. Alone with my footsteps and the walking track where the mountains meet the bay time recedes like shadows at the closing of the day where light and darkness mingle, where the ocean meets the shore fishes weep, eels grin and octopuses snore The ghost gums groan and grumble, and the fishes weep for more. But the moon is just a moon, and the silent mountains roar. When light and darkness mingle, when your toes begin to twinkle, and the saucepan is really up there in the sky. It's time for no tomorrows. It's time for no goodbyes. The stones and clouds are dreams. Cool wind strolls for my So thanks for listening to my story.